Easter to you all. Um, today is, if you didn't already know, today is Easter Sunday. Were you aware of that? Yeah? Easter Sunday, and I'm told that's a big deal for Christians. Um, it is a big deal for Christians because today is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, someone rising from the dead. That's a big deal. Uh, we celebrate the resurrection today. So, what did you call it, Kelby? Resurrection Sunday? There's always one weirdo who calls it that. Um, no, but thank you. <laughs> no, but it is. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter Sunday, whichever you prefer. But we're celebrating, <laughs> sorry, Kelby, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, without the resurrection, there's no point to any of this stuff. There isn't. No point to Christianity. There's no point to gathering together and singing songs and whatever. There's no point to any of this without the resurrection, okay? Our faith, Christianity, it's not based on a set of morals, a set of teachings even. It's based on this amazing historic event of Jesus dying on a cross and then rising from the dead. And so this is truly a big deal. Uh, as you can see at the back of your bulletin, we're using Easter Sunday as an opportunity to launch a new message series or a sermon series or a homily series or whatever you want to call it, a me talking at you series uh, that we're calling Discover Hope. And so starting today for the next four weeks, we're going to be taking a look at some of the essentials, really the essential message of Christianity, of biblical Christianity, and taking a closer look at that. What is it at? What is that message? Why is that message? How is that message different from other messages? And we're going to be taking a look at some of the kind of questions that people have about Christianity, questions people have about Jesus, objections that people might have to Christianity. So we're going to be taking a look at those things over the next few weeks, and you can read the details there in your bulletin. I was recently reminded of, um, oh, this was going back a few years, back to like, uh, I think it was 2003, uh, more than a few years, um, but it was like the fall of 2003, and I remember I was uh, in my car driving somewhere, and I heard an advertisement on the radio for Philadelphia Biblical University, and so one woo, there's always one woo when I mention that school, you and me, that's it, right? Um, but I heard this advertisement on the radio, they were doing this thing called the Advanced Program. And it was a night school type thing, and you could, you know, they were advertising it for people who already had some credits, who had already had some kind of work in other schools, but never actually got their bachelor's. You could do this advanced program. You could work while you do it. And that was exactly my situation. I had been to a couple schools, at least a couple schools in my past, and I'd acquired some credits, but I never got a degree, and I wanted to, but it's just like, it's the stuff of life, and a lot of you know what this is like when you're trying to go to school, and you're trying to work a job, and you're trying to pay bills, and it's like, you know, school costs money, were you aware of that? School costs a lot of money, and so, you know, I would foolishly squander my money on things like food and rent, and not have enough money for school afterwards, and so I'm like, I don't know if this can work. It's tough to believe that such a thing could work out for me, right? I've pursued some of these night school type things in the past, just didn't work out timing-wise, wasn't going to work out financially, so I heard this thing. My interest was peaked, but it was just tough to believe this was for me. And so a few days or a few weeks later, I'm not exactly sure, I heard the same advertisement on the radio. They got into some more details about how this works. It's one night a week. You're there for four hours from 6 to, to 10 p.m. Like, oh, that, that might actually work. I don't know. It's just tough for me to believe that this was going to work out. And so then a few days or a few weeks, I don't remember, later, I had a friend of mine say, hey, have you heard about this thing at PBU? They're doing this advanced thing. I'm like, okay, I want to take this as a sign. So I looked into it, got online, did some research, made the phone call, did some research over the phone, went to the place in person, met with an advisor, did some more research there, and ultimately, it wasn't too good to be true. It actually worked out. I was able to, to go to school there. Um, we were able to find the funding with loans and loans, man, but with loans and grants and things like that. And so I was able to make that happen. 
And so that led to me finally being able to get my bachelor's, which led to me getting a job, and that job led to me being able to get my master's, and that led to me being able to do this. And so it all worked out. So I'm glad, I'm glad that I looked into it. <laughs> it was tough to believe that was going to be the right thing for me, but I'm glad, I'm glad that I looked into it. There are a lot of these things that happen in life where you, you hear about something, and maybe it's an advertisement, maybe it's a, I don't know what, but you hear about something and you feel like, that sounds too good to be true, or this is just tough to believe, or I'm not sure about that. And some of these things we follow up on, some of these things we do our research, and the other things are just like, you know what, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. You know, we have this, this scripture passage that's in the bulletin that Kelby read for us, and it's, um, it's basically one of these things that happens on Easter Sunday morning on that first day, the, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, and you have this woman named Mary, and she goes to the tomb, and Jesus isn't there. He's alive again, and he's somewhere out there, and she goes back, and she talks to the disciples. It specifically says, according to, to John's gospel, that she talked with John and Peter. By the way, that's, that's who John is talking about. The other disciple in that passage, that's, that's John. So it's John and Peter that she speaks to. Where were the rest of the guys? At this point, they were down to 11 disciples. Judas was gone. When I say gone, I mean he was dead. He had taken his own life. We'll talk about that some other time. Anyway, you had 11 disciples left, and she makes this announcement. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think they were all in the room together. I think all 11 of them were there. If you look at what Matthew says and you look at the other Gospels, it seems like they were all kind of hiding out together. And so Mary comes in and says, guess what? You'll never believe. What happened? Jesus rose from the dead. Now let's go back a little bit. Uh, some of you, over the past uh, few weeks here, we were doing that Mark Challenge thing here at Hope. Some of you were doing that thing where you were reading the book of Mark. That's one of these biographies of Jesus. And you're reading about all the stuff that Jesus did other than just dying on the cross and rising from the dead. All the other stuff that he did. Now several times throughout Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel and all the gospels that we have, these biographies of Jesus, we read that Jesus tried to prepare his disciples for this, for the resurrection. He kept saying, to, I mean, multiple times just in Mark's gospel, multiple times he said, by the way guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to Jerusalem, your priests and the Pharisees, they will turn me over to the Romans, I will be killed, and then I will rise from the dead. Multiple times. Hey guys, just so it's still in your minds here, let me remind you what's going to happen. I'm going to be killed, and then I will rise from the dead. The night before he's crucified, he says, guys, listen, I'm going to die, but then in three days I'll be back. And they all look at each other and say, what do you think he means by that, you know? They didn't get it. But you know what? we got to give him some grace. we got to give him some slack because Jesus so often spoke figuratively. And he used these metaphors and these word pictures and he spoke in parables. And so they didn't know what he meant when he said, I'll be back in three days. I'm going to rise from the dead. They didn't know. And there's another element of it. It's not just that Jesus spoke in parables so often. It's also that, I mean, that's just, that's tough to believe that he's going to do that, you know? I mean, the disciples saw Jesus do a lot of miracles and crazy things and multiplying loaves and fishes and giving sight to the blind. He even, you know, raised somebody else from the dead. That's all great. But to think that he would raise himself from the dead, it just is, it's just tough to believe. And so here comes Mary Magdalene into this room saying, hey, guys, guess what? He did it. Like, literally. It wasn't a word picture. He did it. And nine of the guys say, ah, really? No. I, I don't know. But two take off. They go running. John and Peter, they go running for the tomb. They go running for the tomb. John was faster. You know, he got that rudder's, you know, physique or whatever. He went there. He got there first, and he gets to the opening, and he just stops, and he peeks in, but he doesn't want to go in. We're not exactly sure why he doesn't go in. Maybe it had something to do with all the, the Old Testament laws concerning keeping clean and not wanting to come in contact with the dead thing. Maybe that's why he stayed outside the tomb. We don't know. Peter gets there. I imagine he's a little bit out of breath, okay? Not in his great shape. He gets there, but he just goes right in. Say, so where is he? Where is he? 
And so John then is a little bit more bold, and they both go in together. He's, he's, really, he's really not here. And so they go back, and that's about all that you have in your bulletin to give you some more details. They go back to the other disciples. They're all gathered together in a room together, probably Mark's house or Mark's parents' house, FYI. So they're all huddled together. They're behind a locked door. They're all a little bit afraid. They just took away their rabbi, their master, their teacher, their Jesus, who they were following. And so they all felt like they had like, kind of like a bullseye on the back of their head. They felt like they were in danger. They huddle up together. They lock the doors, and the disciples begin to say, uh, he's really not there. Like what Mary told us, he's really not there. And as they're there behind locked doors, you know what happens? Jesus appears right there in a physical body. We're not talking about a spirit. We're not talking about ghost. In a physical body that they could reach out and touch. And he says to them, what's the first thing he says? He says, peace be with you. You better believe that was the first thing he said. And I was don't, don't freak out, guys. Ah! You know, can you imagine? They're all talking about what, what? You know, and the confusion and the frustration and the, and the joy and all the things that they must have been feeling at that time. And there he is, and I love it. He says, you know, do you guys have anything to eat? You know, and they made him some fish for breakfast. Just these little details that you read in the Gospels I love. But there he was. It was tough to believe that he was back. It was really tough to believe. I mean, it just it didn't make any sense. It didn't seem logical. It's just like they didn't want to get their hopes up. Do you ever have that feeling? It's like, oh, this could, you know, like when you're applying for a job or something, like, oh, I think this could come through, but I don't want to get my hopes up because what if it? They didn't want to get their hopes up that their savior, their friend, their rabbi, their, I mean, their, their bestie was back. They didn't want to get their hopes up. It seemed too good to be true. It was tough to believe, and yet it was true. And he appeared before them, and he spent time with them, and there were several occasions that, you know, they met up and they shared this time together. It was it was true. You know, Jesus, another thing that he tries to explain, my goodness, all throughout, you read about it in Mark's gospel, you read about it in these other biographies of the life of Jesus. He tries to communicate with people. He tries to tell them in advance why he is about to do what he's about to do. He tries to explain to them why he needs to go to the cross, what he is doing, and why he's doing it. And he's doing this for humankind. One of the most famous conversations that Jesus has is with a man named Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. He was a Pharisee. In other words, he was somebody who was supposed to understand God, supposed to understand eternal life, supposed to understand heaven. He was supposed to understand all these things, but he was extremely confused about it. And so Nicodemus had, you can read it for yourself, John chapter 3, Nicodemus had this understanding that in order to receive eternal life, in order to go to heaven, in order to be loved by God, that he needed to do X, Y, and Z that he needed to follow certain rules, certain laws, certain boundaries that God had set. And if he was able to do that, he would go to heaven. And he lived his life without an assurance of that. Like most people, he lived his life without an I'm not sure I'm doing good enough. I'm not sure I'm following the laws enough. I'm not sure, but I hope, I hope I'm good enough to be accepted into heaven. And he had that belief. And Jesus, this is my paraphrase, Jesus walks up to Nicodemus and says, Nicodemus, you couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong if you tried. That's not how it is. And he gets kind of harsh with Nicodemus, if that's not how He says, aren't you a teacher? Shouldn't you know these things? He says to Nicodemus, no. You don't earn God's love. It doesn't work like that. You start with God's love. You can't lose God's love. He loves you already. He loves you. And he explains to Nicodemus that there's nothing that he can do. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that we human beings can do to earn God's favor and be accepted into heaven. We can't do enough good. We're broken people. We're messed up. We're sinful. We're sinners. Whatever term you want to use, we, we can't make ourselves good enough. That's the point, one of the points that Jesus makes in that conversation. We can't make ourselves 
good enough. We can't, in other words, Jesus is saying, you can't put your trust in yourself. And Jesus explains to Nicodemus, you're going to have to put your trust in me. And he says to Nicodemus, he said, it's John 3.16. That's like a famous thing that a lot of Christians memorize. And For God so loved the world. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, that is, whoever puts their trust in him, will not perish, will not see eternal damnation, will not perish, but will instead receive eternal life. That's the message that Jesus came preaching to people. He says, you guys have got it all wrong. It's not about what you can do to earn your way to heaven. You can't do anything. It's not about you. It's about me and what I'm about to do for you. He says to humankind, you can't pay back the debt that you owe to God, but I can, and I'm going to pay it off for you. And so instead of trusting in yourself and your own capacity for goodness and your own capacity to do things right, instead of trusting in yourself, you're going to have to put your trust in me because I'm the only one who can do this for you. And then he goes to the cross, and he dies And John, John was the only one of the 12 that made it there to the foot of the cross and saw this thing happening. And I wonder what John understood in that moment. Oh, this is what you were talking about, Jesus. This is what the sacrifice, this is how you're going to pay back the debt. Is this it? And then he rises back from the dead to show us that he has conquered both death and sin. Peter, in one of his letters, tells us that, that Jesus somehow he carried our sins in his body on that tree, on that cross, and so our sins died with that physical body. Is that mysterious? <laughs> you better believe it. Do I understand it inside out? Come on, who could? It's complicated. And yet this is what Jesus did for us. I tell you what, this message, this core message of Christianity, the message that sometimes we call it the gospel, that's such a church word, but that's what it is. Sometimes we call it the good news, which means the same thing as the gospel. This is it that Jesus died for us. And then if we accept that, if we put our trust in him instead of in ourselves, we will receive eternal life. How about that? All over the world, all over the country, all over Delco, right here in Ridley Park, at all these churches. I mean, look at all these churches in Ridley Park. We got Catholic, we got some Methodists, we got some Baptists. This is the church district, right? We got some Presbyterians. All over Ridley Park, all over Southern Delaware County, people are gathered together, hearing a similar message, right? hearing about something about the resurrection, something about Jesus, something about this gospel. Everybody's hearing this today. And some of the people who are hearing this actually believe it. But not everybody. Well, why not? Why doesn't everybody believe it? Come on, why not? Because it's tough to believe. This core message, this gospel, this, this, this essential thing, Jesus dying on the cross and somehow that, that putting my trust in him, somehow that's going to mean I go to, that's tough to believe. Let's just own that. And some of you people have been Christians for so long, you people, that's not offensive. Some of you have been Christians for so long that you kind of forget how, how strange this is, how tough this can be to believe. Let me give you a few reasons why this is tough to believe. I'll give you more of a few. I'll stick with three. Three reasons why this message of Christianity, the essential message, is so tough to believe. Number one, it's foreign. This message is foreign to us. And I mean that both very literally. I mean, this happened a very long time ago in a foreign country, a foreign culture. But also, I mean that term like it's foreign. It's just, it's strange. We have nothing that we can compare this to. You're talking about God interacting in the world in a very unique way. You're talking about a man who was both God's son and yet God in the flesh. This is, these things are foreign to us. We don't experience anything like this. You're talking about Jesus giving up three, three and a half years of his life, leading these guys around, leading these disciples around. You're talking about miracles being performed. You're talking about somebody raising from the dead, where have we experienced anything like this? This is foreign to us. 
The message of what Jesus has done for us is tough to believe for a lot of reasons. One of those, it's just, it's foreign. What do we have to compare this to? When did you, when, when's the last time you saw somebody rise from the dead? No? Okay. It's foreign to us. And so to try to get in that mindset and understand that culture and understand how God works, it takes some, it takes some effort. There's another reason why this message is tough to believe. It's counterintuitive, okay? It's counterintuitive. It's not what you would assume about God just instinctively. It's not what you would assume about God. All throughout human history, all throughout different religions and different philosophies, there's been a similar idea. The idea is this, that you as an individual, you as a person, you can somehow earn something good for yourself by your own efforts. You can earn your own way into heaven. You can earn your own way into enlightenment. You can earn your own way into nirvana. Um, that's the hint, not the band nirvana. Um, did you see that in your bulletin? Come as you are. Anybody think we were playing nirvana today? Did you think that? So oh, they better not. No, but whatever that place is, that place of paradise, that place of bliss, or that place of being self-aware and fully enlightened, you have the power to get yourself there. That's what every single philosophy, religion, belief system, faith system has in common, except for Christianity, except for Bible-based Christianity, except for Jesus-based Christianity. Does not, does not teach that. It says, no, 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 no. No, you can't. Bible tells us, Christianity tells us, Jesus tells us, you can't, but I can. You can't make yourself good enough. I can make you able to receive eternal life. And so it's counterintuitive. You know, if nobody, if we didn't have this book, if we were just a bunch of people sitting around, we would just assume we do good stuff, we earn some kind of, you know, if there is some kind of big grandpa guy in the sky, he's probably a good guy, and if I do good things, and if I try to be moral, I'll probably go to heaven. We would just assume that intuitively. Jesus says, okay, no, that's not it. And so the message of Christianity, the core message of the gospel, it's, it's counterintuitive and it's foreign to us. And there's one other thing about this message, okay? There's an element, there's one other reason, I mean there's lots, one more today. There's one more reason why we have a difficult time believing this, accepting this as, as historic truth, accept, accepting that this is the reality, and it's this. There's a strong element of fear, there's a strong element of fear tied to this message. As in, what if, huh, what if all this is true? What does that mean for me in my life? I mean, so many of us, most of us, we go through life with certain assumptions about things, and I assume I'm a pretty good person. You know, I know I'm better than my rotten neighbor, so I know I'm a good person. I assume I'm better than that person. I know I'm pretty good, and so if there is a God and if there is a heaven, I'm probably going there. We have these assumptions about life. And then there you, somebody comes at you with a different message. And there's that fear. Wait a minute. What, what, if, what if this is true? What if this really did happen 2,000 years ago? What if God really did become a man? What if he really did die on the cross for my sins? What if he really did rise from the dead? What if this is really what's required to receive, receive eternal life? What if I have to stop trusting in myself? And what if I have to be humble and let go of some of my pride? And what if I actually have to put my trust in him? If I do that, if I accept this message as true, as historically accurate, if I receive Jesus as my Savior, I don't even know what that means. If I receive Jesus as my Savior, how is this going to change me? That's the fear. We fear change. Change is good. Yeah, well, some change is good. But we fear, don't we fear change? We don't want to have the boat rocked. 
The personal implications. It's one thing if you could say, well, you know, I'll just kind of live my life my way and hope it works out. But to, do, but to accept this message, there's an element of fear. How is this going to change me? If I believe this really did happen, if I accept Jesus as my Savior, how is this going to change me? Is it going to change the way I spend my time? Is it going to change the way I spend my money? Is it going to change the way I interact with people? Is it going to change the way that I, you know, I, I go to work? Is it going to change? And, and, and here's the thing about that fear. Well, let's call it a concern. I don't want to, no, let's call it a concern. It's a fear, come on. The thing about that concern or that fear is that it is 100% valid. It is 100% valid. Everybody, and this is true all throughout history, anybody who's done this thing of actually believing in this message, believing in the history of it, this is an event that happened. Jesus really did come, he really did die, he really did rise from the dead, who believes in that and accepts him as their savior. I know that's really Christianese, but you know what I mean by that. Whoever stops trusting in themselves and their own capacity for good and starts trusting in him, they've all been changed by that. And so that's a fear that people have. I'm going to change, and that's a completely valid. You will change. I don't know. I mean, a lot of you in this room are Christians, and so like, you, you kind of know what that looks like, don't you? I can tell you my experience, that change was, was kind of, it started gradual, and as time goes on, it's like, a, like an exponentially increases, if that makes any sense. But there's this change that begins to happen in your life. You have a different sense of priorities. You're going to care a little bit more about the people in your life. You're going to want your conversations to go a little bit deeper. You're going to be less content to just talk about, you know, current events or sports or weather. You're going to go a little bit deeper with the people in your life. You will change. You've been warned. <laughs> But in this case, that change is good. That change is good. You know, this element of fear, I was trying to describe what this is like, and it's like, um, it's like the movie The Matrix. Anybody see that? I mean, like most people have seen that movie, right? right? Well, I'm going to talk about it, so if you haven't seen it, sorry. Um, but it's that scene with Morpheus, right? Um, Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus, and he, he's speaking with Neo, uh, and he's got the red pill and the blue pill, right? You guys remember the movie? So, I mean, okay, this is for like those of you who have seen it. He's got the red pill and the blue pill, and which one is the one, is the blue pill that takes him back to the life as he knows it? Is that it? Is that what? I should have looked this up, right, right? <laughs> but there's one pill. You take this pill, you go back to life as you know it. You go back to your little job, you go back to the mundane life that you know. You take this pill, who? You're going to experience reality. You're going to have to enter into the adventure of the real if you take this pill. And he takes the pill that enters him into that real world. And that's kind of what it's like when we're faced with the message of the gospel. If I accept it, if I take that pill, I'm going to enter into something that I don't fully understand. And that's what all the disciples did. These guys, four of them, were minding their own business, fishing. Jesus shows up, gives a powerful message. He says, come with me. Where are we going? Doesn't matter. Let's go. And they followed him. That's the adventure of following Jesus. That's the adventure of being saved. So, so much of our lives is just mundane stuff. I mean, we have parties, we have holidays, we have vacations, but it's the daily grind of go to work and make money and pay bills and, and Jesus says, I've got something bigger than that. And that's scary for us. All that to say that I get it. This gospel, this message of Jesus, it is tough to believe. It's tough to believe but it's worth looking into. It's tough to believe, but it's worth looking into. It is absolutely worth looking into. Okay? There are a lot of things in this life, a lot of things that you and I can afford to be wrong about. A lot of things. Okay? I, mean, I was talking to some high schoolers, and they're trying to pick a college and pick their major in college. Listen, you can pick the wrong major in college, and your life will still work out okay. Okay? 
Just so you know that. You can be wrong about that. You can afford to be wrong about that. How many of us in this room do some kind of job that has nothing to do with our major? I mean, it happens, right? You can afford to be wrong about that. Holly and I, when we, you know, before we had Lily, our first baby, we saw this list of all this stuff that we needed, and we thought, we need a wipe warmer. Well, it's on the list. We need that. <laughs> we need it. Put it on the registry. We need this thing. Well, it turns out a wipe warmer is just a, a wipe dryer outer, okay? So we were wrong. We did not need that. We were wrong. Guess what? We can afford to be wrong about that. Big deal. So what? Who cares, right? There's people in this world, believe it or not, there's people in this world who think Ben Affleck is a really good Batman, and they're wrong about that, <laughs> and they're allowed to be wrong about that, all right? Hashtag not my Batman, but they can be wrong about that. There are a lot of things, and for you Christians, even when it comes to some of our doctrine, even when it comes to some of our theology, there's plenty of stuff that we can afford to be wrong about. But this stuff here, like God and the meaning of life and what happens to you when you die, we cannot afford to be wrong about that. You know how dangerous it is to go through life just assuming, I, I, I think there's probably a heaven. I think I'm probably going there. Oh, better be sure, right? Better be sure. And when I say that this message is hard to believe but worth looking into, let me just, let me just use the word, okay? Looking into, what does that mean? I'm talking about research, okay? I'm talking about research. Now, that in and of itself is a concept that kind of boggles the mind for some people. What are you talking about? Researching faith? Your belief system is just what you believe. You believe what you believe, and that's all there is to it. No, 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 no. This stuff we need to, to research. Now, my suggestion, you go home and study your Bible? Yeah, why not? But I know that's difficult. I know that's difficult. And so if you've been a part of this church in the past, you may have heard a similar message, a similar message that I've given. I mean, I really only have like six or seven sermons. I just keep giving them over again, right? <laughs> Nobody remembers from one week to the next, it all works out. But I've given this message before, this message of it's a tough message to believe, but it's worth looking into. And basically, I just send you on your way. I guess read the Bible if you want to, and nobody does because that's tough. Okay, I get that. Here's what we're doing differently this time. Here's what I'm doing differently this time. I'm, I'm pleading with you. This is my plead today. Look into this. Research it. For the next three weeks together as a church, for the next three Sundays, we are going to gather in this space and look into it together, Okay. You're not on your own to go, well, what does Google say about Christianity? What is the No, we're going to look into these things together. We're going to tackle some of these questions and some of the issues and some of the sore spots that people have towards Christianity, and we're going to give you a base. We're not going to answer all your questions. A base for your research. Now is the time to look into these things. I know. I know it's foreign. I know it's counterintuitive. I know there's an element of fear there. But this message of salvation in Jesus Christ, even though it's tough to believe, it is absolutely worth looking into it. And if you don't look into it now, when will you? While there's still breath in your lungs, while there's still life in your body, let's take the time to look into this. I'm pleading with you to look into it, and I'm telling you, you are not on your own. We will do this hard work together. We will do this research together. Now, there's this term that Christians have, because we've got terms for everything, because we speak Christianese. Um, there's this term we have called conviction of the Holy Spirit. Do you ever hear a Christian drop that? Conviction of the Holy Spirit. Basically, that's what, me, what we mean by that is that God has these ways of getting our attention, of tugging on our heartstrings, of kind of kicking us in the soul. And so sometimes it manifests itself as a little bit of anger. Sometimes you just feel kind of awkward and like you want to disappear. And so God, if God is trying to get your attention today... If you're experiencing that conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you think God wants you back here next Sunday to explore some of these things, you can either lean into that or you can back off. Okay, no, I'm not, 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 not doing it, not doing it, not doing that. 
My prayer for you and my prayer leading up to this Sunday, my prayer for you is that you will have the courage to lean in and do this work now. Begin this investigation. Begin this process of looking into it. We will do this together. All right? I don't know why you're here today. I don't know who invited you. I don't know who brought you here. Maybe you're a little bit suspicious. Do they have ulterior motives? What? No. We just want you to know. Okay? Do the research, and then you can make an informed decision for yourself. I know it's tough to believe, but it's worth looking into. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, um, there are many people in this room who, you know, we would call ourselves Christians. We, we know you to some degree. We understand the cross to some degree. We understand the resurrection to some degree. But we just acknowledge that there's so much of this message that's, that's still mysterious to us. And so as we go forward, God, help us to better understand who you are. Help us to continue that process of looking into it. Don't, don't ever let us arrive, Jesus. Keep us seeking. Keep us searching. Keep us wondering. Keep us asking. Father God, we pray for all those who are present today and for all those who are, who are in a place where, where they're not quite sure about these big questions of life, about what happens when you die, all these things. And we just pray for them that they would, they would take that first step in research. They would take that first step in looking into it. Father God, we pray over the rest of this message series for these three Sundays that are to come. And we just pray that this will be a time where we can be direct, where we can be upfront, and where we can be a little bit critical of Christianity and take a look at some of these core beliefs and what they mean to us. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your great sacrifice on this day. We thank you for, your, for rising from the dead on our behalf. We thank you that you conquered sin and death for us. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.